Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We are, we are going through this series. This is the motto of our church. If you're online and you caught this video and you're kind of wondering what we're about, this is the spiritual DNA of Emmanuel. Uh, we live to bless God and bring a smile to his face to honor him because God first loved us. Uh, and, and, and we live to bless others because Jesus told us to love one another. Right? He told us as a church that the world will know to whom you belong by your love for one another. So the world outside of these four walls, God has given the world a measuring stick for what a good church looks like. And obviously a good church has to have the Bible at its center and Jesus as its core, but a good church has to love itself well. In other words, we have to love one another well. And, and that's how the world is going to know that we belong to Jesus. Now, let me tell you, there are churches that have great doctrine, but they don't love one another well. Well, they're not a good church. God gave the measuring stick to the world. You will know to whom they belong by their love for one another. And then be the blessing is, is taking everything that we learn in our church, through our Bible life circles, uh, through our Sunday worship, through our prayer time that we're having on Friday night, and, and all these different things that we do in the church with one another, being the blessing is taking it outside the walls to the street and blessing those that don't know Jesus yet. That is what it means to be the blessing, is to introduce others to Jesus Christ, to invite others to come to service, to come to block party uh, Saturday, and, and to come to our Be Blessed weekend. And it's an opportunity for us to open our mouths and invite people. It's going to be wicked awesome, right? You guys been to our Be Blessed cookouts before? If you haven't been, you got to come, man. It's, it's free food. There's going to be a water slide for the kids. Uh, there's uh, folks that aren't... Uh, uh, active anymore uh, or just don't like playing basketball or volleyball or football, they'll be inside here in the air condition playing cribbage and just having a really good time. Uh, and it's a good time to love one another well, get to know some people you don't know yet, but it's also a great time to invite people in from the community that haven't been to church. You know, we live in a, a region that only about 2% of people go to a Christian church. So you have a lot of opportunities, folks. A lot of opportunities to shine a light for Jesus. That's what this means. We take this from this passage of Scripture. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, and this is the part, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, this is what we're teaching in our E-Kids children's ministry. As he is, so are we in this world. And when we are like Christ, we can have absolute boldness as we come to the end of our life and we're facing the judgment seat of Christ. We can have confidence. 
We can know that he's going to pat us on the back and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How? Because we have tried our best by the Holy Spirit of God to follow the word of God and to be as he is in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And this, this is where it all starts. We love him because he first loved us. When we talk about blessing God, without knowing experientially the love of God, forget about trying to bless him and others. It's God that sought you. If you're a believer here this morning, can I tell you something? The Bible says, none seeketh after God, no, not one. So if you came to Christ, I want you to know something. He initiated it. He initiated it. And he poured his love out and he put his love on display. And and Jesus hung on that cross to show the world his love for them. So, the natural response to someone pouring love out on you, even and especially when you don't deserve it, is to love them back. It's to love them back. And then when we're loving him back, we learn that he's worth our love and he's worth following and then we become like him. And you know, when we become like him, we're going to get into this message here. When we, come, when we become like him, these four attributes become true of us. Last week, if you missed last week, go online, find it. We become kind, merciful, gentle, compassionate. This week, we're going to look at impartial. We become impartial. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. This is on the YouVersion Bible app. If you go under events, you'll find Emmanuel Baptist Church and click on that event and you will have the sermon notes. If you have an account, and I hope that you will make one, you will be able to take notes right there in the app. You'll be able to highlight things and it will be saved to your account and you can share them with your kids later. So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting till this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of, the, of God. Send therefore to Joppa, that's a town, and call Simon here. Simon is Simon Peter, whose surname is Peter. That's the Peter that denied Christ three times. That's the Peter that was an apostle of Jesus. That's the Peter that says, thou art the Christ, right? This is who he's talking about. Find Peter. Find Peter, he's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you've done well to come, and therefore we are all present before God to hear all things commanded you by God. Now I pulled that story up because it's so important, and it shows that Jesus, that God is impartial. Now, there's other places in Scripture that we can go to that that demonstrate this. In the book of Romans, we find that God is impartial in his judgment. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. uh, uh, Help me. Ancestry has nothing to do with it. Your citizenship in a country has nothing to do with it. Your religion has nothing to do with it. God is impartial. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 10, it says, God is rich to all who will call upon him, to the Jew and to the Gentile. And pretty much that's the classification of the entire world. There are Jews and then there are Gentiles. And to be a Gentile means you are a 
non-Jew. That's pretty much what it means. So, God is impartial. He's impartial in his love. When we, didn't, when, when we didn't deserve it, he loved us. He loved those who were Jews, and he loved those who were Gentiles. Jesus is impartial. And so what's happened here with this guy Cornelius, it's an amazing story. This centurion, he's a soldier, uh, and, and uh, he, was, he was part of this thing called the Italian band, and, and he, had, he was a leader of about a thousand men or so, and, and he was a religious and a devout man. Now, I'm not entirely sure which God he was praying to. He's just praying to God. And I know like when Paul went on a missionary journey, uh, he got to this town and he saw a, a, an idol to an unknown God. And in that moment, Paul preached. He's like, hey, I have the name of the unknown God. You guys are not going to believe this. You've got this statue to the unknown God. I'm here to represent him. So people in those days, they were praying and this guy was very devout, he was very religious, but he was lost. If this centurion, a very moral man, had died before Peter got there, he would have gone to hell. But he was praying, and he was praying, and he was praying, and, and the real God heard his prayer. He heard his prayer. And so Peter, though, Peter, <laughs> Peter had a problem. Peter's one of my favorites, because Peter messes up all the time. It just seems that way. You know, people that think the Bible is just a fairy tale, the Bible, t <laughs> the Bible shows the flaws of the most important men in the Bible. Peter is arguably the second or third most important figure in the New Testament of God. I mean, you got Jesus, he's got to take place one, right? And then you got Paul. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. And you got John. That's why I say Peter and John. John was Jesus' best friend. You know, some people that don't think pastors should have best friends. You got to be equal to everybody. Well, you're not my kids, so too bad. Jesus had a best friend. John had called his beloved disciple. And then there was Peter. And I think Peter would, like, had a special place in Jesus' heart. Arguably top third or fourth in the New Testament. And here the Bible is showing us Peter screwing up again. As this centurion is praying, as this centurion is praying, God calls, causes Peter to fall into a trance. Okay? You follow me? So Peter goes into this trance, and you can, you can find this right in that, that chapter of Acts, right? Chapter 10. Peter goes into this trance, and in this trance, God, trance, God uh, shows him a vision of this, we'll call it a giant tablecloth, coming down from heaven. And on the tablecloth, you got like bacon or pigs. You've got, you've got animals that the Old Testament law said not to eat, okay? Old Testament law said not to eat, but Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. That was not a moral law, okay? So here's, here's Peter, down comes a tablecloth, we got bacon, I mean, bacon. I don't know what Peter's problem is. If God's like, hey, kill the pig and make yourself some bacon, I'm like, yes, can I have another? Peter, 
Now, Peter understands that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Peter is a saved man. Peter is a leader in the New Testament church, the very first church. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He failed Jesus. Jesus restored him, right? This is the Peter. If you don't know his story, boy, you've got to get in your Bible and read the story of Peter. It's incredible. Jesus restores Peter, and then Peter has this dream, and God says, kill and eat. And Peter's response is, oh, Lord, I could not possibly have that piece of bacon. It goes against my diet. I, no, <laughs> nothing unclean has ever crossed these lips. This is Peter, the guy that cursed. Like nothing went in. Maybe he's never eaten bacon before. He's never had some lobster. He's never had, you know, cloven hoof and chewing the cud and all those things that God had forbidden Israel to eat. Maybe that was true. Maybe that was true. But this is the same Peter that walked with Jesus who said, listen, it's not what goes into the man that defiles the man. It's not what you eat because whatever you eat goes out into the draught. I'm using some King James language here. It goes into the pooper, right? You eat it, it goes out. It's not defiling you. Peter was there and he heard that. And here he is in this dream and God is saying, kill and eat. And he's like, oh Lord, I couldn't possibly because I am holier than thou. Like a lot of Christians today. And so God says, do not call unclean what I have called clean. That's a powerful moment. That's a moment where God displays his impartiality. See, Israel was supposed to be a nation of priests. And they were supposed to bring the kingdom of God to the world and they failed. But they were still supposed to be a nation of priests. And God was supposed to be presented to the world. And so the baton was passed to us. So here's Peter trying to be super holy in front of God who knows that Peter cursed and denied Christ. Knows that Peter was in on that sermon where Jesus said, it's not what goes in, but what comes out. So here he, here he is saying, nothing unclean has crossed these lips. I've never eaten anything unclean. But the reality is, he had condemned himself by speaking that which was unclean. And then he had to be restored. So do you see the hypocrisy on display in one of the greatest men Christianity has ever seen? People saying, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. There's hypocrites in the Bible. Forget about church. The Bible doesn't pull punches here. Peter had a problem. Now, Peter had a besetting sin, I would go as far as to say, because here he's saying, I could not possibly do this. And then God says, you're going to do it. And there's a guy knocking at the door, and he's been sent to you from Cornelius, and you're taking my word to the Gentiles. Now, Peter obeyed, did he not? We know that Peter obeyed. He went to the centurion. He preached the gospel. And that guy and his whole family got saved. It's an amazing, amazing story. Later on in Peter's life, he gets taken in again by what is referred to in the Bible as Judaizers. People that wanted to force Old Testament Levitical law on New Testament believers. A law that they themselves could not even keep. Peter got so caught up in it that the apostle Paul, right, second or third most powerful man in the New Testament, called him out on the carpet. Peter, you are to blame. 
Dude, that's powerful. What does that show about Peter? Peter was prejudiced. Peter was prejudiced. He had a problem with Gen. It appears to me. This is the second time we see this. I'm not going to take anything unclean. And then he goes and preaches it. But then later on, here he is again. Here he is again. Causing issues to the Gentile believers. You struggling with sin today? Anybody struggle with sin? You're in good company, dude. You are in good company because Peter struggled with sin. But Peter had a problem. And Peter's problem was he, he wasn't impartial. Say that five times fast. Peter's problem was he wasn't impartial. He was prejudiced. He was prejudiced against the Gentiles. He didn't want to go to the non-Jew. He claimed he was clean because of his religious and cultural practices. And God confronted him on that count. And Paul confronted him on that count. It is Jesus that saves us and cleanses us, not ourselves. Your former religion couldn't save you any more than Peter's former religion could save him. He didn't want to deal with these Gentiles, and we see this theme going on in his life. But it's Jesus who saves. It's Jesus who saves. And Jesus is impartial. Are you impartial today? Yesterday was Juneteenth. Can I tell you something? I don't know whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, in the middle. I don't really care. Juneteenth is a big deal. And can I tell you something? I grew up in the state of New Hampshire. We won the war. It wasn't the war of northern aggression. It was the Civil War. And on the agenda was to free the slaves. And the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln declared was amazing. I took my daughter to... um, it's American Stonehenge, I think it's in Salem. And, and part of that, there's the Underground Railroad. Like New Hampshire was involved in freeing the slaves and we were involved in helping those that were in slavery to get out of slavery, right? That's New Hampshire. I went to public school in New Hampshire. Can I tell you, I never knew about June 19th until last year. Had no clue. No clue. Does anybody know what it is? Does everybody know what it is? It's when the Union Army arrived in Texas and said, you are free! Because the Southerners didn't want the slaves to know that they were free. They had it pretty good. You know, Abe, you can say whatever you want to say. (laughs) As long as it doesn't filter down here, we're, we're good. And then along came the Union soldiers and said, oh no, that's not how it's going to play out. Are you impartial today? You got some of Peter in you, a little prejudice? Folks, that is not godly. There's churches preaching race today, race baiting today. It's not godly. We are to love our fellow man. It doesn't matter what color they are. We are all part of the human race. And we're called to love one another. We have a common ancestor. Our common ancestor is Adam and Eve, period. I found it to be a shame that I went through public school in New Hampshire and knew nothing about Juneteenth. But I think it is something to celebrate because that was a major victory in this country. It was a major victory in this country. It moved us forward. So Jesus, Jesus is impartial. 
We see that as the gospel was given to the Gentiles with Peter. We see that when he led the Samaritan woman to himself. We see that Jesus is impartial. And Peter, as I mentioned, had a pretty serious problem. Now, I want to take us over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. Now, James is the brother of Jesus Christ. Mary was a virgin when Jesus was conceived. Then she consummated her marriage with Joseph, and Jesus had little brothers and little sisters. And James was a little brother of Jesus. And there's some historical evidence that James did not believe Jesus was the Son of God until later on. And then James became an ardent follower of his older brother. Okay? This is the brother of Jesus. He's saying, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in the good place, and you take the poor man and you say, you stand over there, or hey, you can sit over by my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Now remember, Jesus taught that as a man thinks, so is he. He said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you look at a man with hatred in your heart, you've committed murder. God knows our hearts. He knows what we think. And if we are partial, his brother, James, under the inspiration of God says, these are evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do not, do not, do not, sorry Lord, do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So when God looks at the law, right? <clears throat> For instance, Peter's like, I I've never eaten anything unclean. God looks at the law as an, as an entire body, right? And if you break one part of the body, the body is broken. So you might say, I've never done anything that bad. But if you've done one thing, you have broken the body of the law. This is what, this is what God is saying. You're guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, don't murder. Now, if you don't commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So first of all, without Christ, we are all guilty. Number one. So we want to learn how to be impartial. We got to understand this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no righteous, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. 
Folks, we got to understand that without Jesus, we are lost because we have broken the law, the body of the law. We are all guilty before God, and God is the hope of salvation. It's the judgment of mercy that we're looking for. We're looking for mercy at the foot of the cross. Mercy, I've said this so many times, mercy does not belong to those who deserve it. Sit on that and and think on it a spell, right? Mercy doesn't belong to the deserving. Because the definition of mercy indicates that you don't deserve it. You know who it belongs to? The repentant. The brokenhearted. That's who mercy belongs to. Mercy doesn't go to the man that stands in pride and says, I don't want your mercy. It goes to the person who's who's broken. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. So, without Christ, we're all guilty. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how unsuccessful you are. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up your life. And it doesn't matter how much somebody else has messed up your life. Without Jesus, we are all guilty. But with him, we all have hope and redemption and a home in heaven, forgiveness for our sin. And as I mentioned at the outset, a father in heaven who loves us as we long to be loved. I want to bring this up. With great wealth comes great responsibility. I thought of bringing Spider-Man up on the slide because, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know that? Come on, guys. You're not DC fans, are you? Right? With great wealth comes great responsibility. And this is a truth that's been reiterated through the scriptures. James talks about it here, but also Paul talks about it. Now, we sometimes mess up in our minds what wealth is. Compared to the rest of the world, our poor people are wealthy. Like some of the poorest in the U.S., if you went to a third world country, they would look at you and say, oh my gosh, I wish I had what you had. They would just look at you in awe because you're wealthy by the world standards. So before you point at the person with the Cadillac, you might want to consider this. You are also wealthy. It depends on your perspective. However, God does have a warning to the rich of this world. James has an issue with the rich not understanding that their wealth comes from more than just their ability to earn. It's God who holds the strings of our lives, and when he allows wealth in a person's life, with great wealth comes great responsibility. And so he warns the rich or those who would be rich in this world. We need to be careful that, number one, we don't rely on uncertain riches. The Apostle Paul warns of this. Jesus warns of this. The rich young ruler when the rich young ruler, it's a, it was a story that Jesus was telling, he approached Jesus. Actually, it was a, I'm sorry, it was a, an account of Jesus' life. This rich young ruler approached Jesus. You can tell this is not my notes. He approached Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, are you keeping the commandments? He's like, oh, I'm keeping all the commandments. And Jesus said, well, then go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You know what Jesus did in that moment? He touched that man's sin. What was his sin? Being rich? No. Trusting in his riches was his sin. So we're warned not to trust in uncertain riches. I have a problem with this. 
personally, I'm going <laughs> to be transparent. Like I have a problem. I don't want to be poor. I, I don't want to struggle. I've been there. Anybody else been there? I've been there. My wife made 250 bucks a week, I think, and I made $200 a week. We took a 50% cut in pay, and we could not make ends meet when I quit my job and went into full-time ministry. It was terrifying. And what God taught me in that moment was, who are you trusting? It was an issue for me. It was an issue for me. I wanted to trust in my own hands and take care of business. And God was like, no, no, no. You can't trust in riches. You've got to trust in me. So there's a lot of warnings to the rich of this world. We need to be careful we don't become covetous of other people's riches. We don't, we don't want to become covetous of the status of other people. We've got to be careful that we won't love money. And listen now, we have to be careful that we value men more than we value money. That's for both the rich, by the way, and the poor. Because there's some poor people that they will climb all over other people to become rich. And we have to value men more than money. Now, I want to I make sure that we, we drive this point of impartiality home, though. This is illustrative. It's more than just about the rich and the poor in James' time. This passage is more than just about the rich and the poor. If we make them, listen, if it, it's a mistake that we easily make if we're not careful. As we saw with Peter, impartiality is about more um, than being a Gentile or being a Jew. It's about more than being a rich man or a poor man. It's about a neighbor. It's about ethnicity. It's about a different kind of struggle than you or I might have. It's more than about the rich and the poor. James said, are your thoughts not evil? So I want to kind of hone in on this in, the, in closing here. We're prone to judge people on their past, not their future. We're prone to be partial when we look at people. We look at where they've been and we judge them on where they are, not what God is doing in their lives. When Saul of Tarsus was converted, the church at Jerusalem was afraid to receive him. Barnabas had to go and vouch for the Apostle Paul. We're prone to judge by outward appearances. Emmanuel was wickedly guilty at this in, in, in one iteration of our lives many years ago. We judged people's spirituality by the clothes that they wore. If their skirt was a little too short, we decided that they were ungodly and immoral. If they didn't wear a coat and tie to church, we decided they were immature and not spiritually mature. If we're not careful, we fall into judging people and becoming partial to outward appearances rather than the inner attitude of the heart. The Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinner, and though he disapproved of their sins, it wasn't a compromise, it was compassion that caused him to welcome them. One of my heroes in the faith, Chuck Swindoll. So you want to know somebody that I respect? You're like, Pastor, who do you respect? Who do you like listening to? Who would you trust? I trust Chuck. I mean, he's not Jesus and he'll make mistakes preaching and teaching just like I will, but I trust Chuck. Good man of God. He's in his 80s. No scandals. Solid, dependable man of God. And this, I want to share this with you from one of my spiritual heroes. 
Chuck says, through most of my Christian life, I've wrestled against a form of Christianity obsessed with externals. Almost as if they had completely forgotten that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Too many believers draw quick conclusions about people based merely on what they see or even what they hear. And he gives us a list. Her hair is too short. She shouldn't wear that to church. I tell you, there was, a, there was an old lady. No offense to those of you that are, that are chronologically challenged. There was an old lady in a church that I used to pastor. And she always sat in the same spot. And this young woman came to church one day. And she came to church. I don't remember if she had a short skirt or tight jeans. I can't remember. And she sat in front of this, this old lady. And this old lady grumbled and complained loud enough that other people could hear it. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe she's wearing that to church. I came to the conclusion, sadly, that that church was better served when she went home to heaven than it was with her being present in the congregation. And that may sound harsh, but it's true. She was a hindrance to the Holy Spirit of God in that church. She was a hindrance to the fellowship of that church. And she was stubborn. And my deacon talked to her. And it was brutal. There's people like that, you know. If you're one of them... Y'all need, to, y'all need to clean up your act. She shouldn't wear that to church. What's with those tattoos, Chloe? My daughter got tattoos yesterday. I know, you're like, Pastor, oh my goodness, your daughter got tattoos? That's ungodly. You give me chapter and verse because I'll show you where you're wrong. Marking the body for the dead is not modern day tattoos. So, there you go. That car's too expensive. Impartiality. That car's too, they shouldn't be driving that car. They're not using their money for Jesus. When there's people that are driving nice cars that, that not only give far more than other people, but give sacrificially. And you're condemning them by their outward appearance. Their house is too big. Why did he wear that to church? He has a PhD. She didn't even graduate from high school. They go to public school. Ugh. They're homeschoolers. They're just not socially adaptive because they're homeschoolers. Or they're Christian schoolers, right? We, we judge people. We condemn people. We separate people. He's, a, he's the wrong color. She has a blue collar. He has a white collar. He's rich. She's poor. And so what, my friends, is your list? The Bible teaches us that we're to be impartial, It's all about Jesus. It's all about bringing people to Jesus. There's a, there's a children's song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. It's about bringing Jesus to people. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Educated, uneducated. Some of you have this attitude that if someone's uneducated, it also means they're stupid. And you're, you're partial. You're not impartial. You condemn people that, that didn't have a high school education. And there's some people that don't have a high school education that are smarter than people with PhDs. Have a bigger heart. And then there's people without an education that think they are and they're not. And they condemn people with education. We were on that track as a church for a while. It goes both ways. You see what I'm saying? We can be partial in any 
circumstance, in any instance, you can be prejudiced against the Gentile like Peter was, or you can be prejudiced against the Jews like the people in Ephesus were. The Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, we're smart. We have Plato, we're intelligent, and the Jews are just dumb Jews who are seeking after a sign. We're smarter than that. We don't need a sign. You follow? But we are to be as our Savior is, impartial, impartial. What is your list today? I want to challenge you with this. God wants us to have love over lists. Love over lists. Not the love of the world. Not the love of the world. The world does not know how to love. Because it hasn't personally experienced the love of God. Not the love of the world. The love of God, a love that sacrifices for others' benefits. A love that goes out of its way to maybe even talk to the person that ordinarily you would be partial against. Now, I'm not going to snap my fingers and have an impartial church. But what I am going to do is preach it to you. And I'm going to challenge you. I don't know what your list is, but I know this. It's time to lose the list. Worship team, it's time to lose the list. So maybe as you're sitting there and the worship team is coming up, maybe there's a little movie running through your mind. People that you don't like. And not just because you don't like their personality. You dig a little deeper and you find out that you are just partial against their status against their color, right? You're partial against their education or lack of education. You're partial because they sin differently than you, right? What is your list? Folks, it's time to lose the list. It's time for us to learn to love like Jesus loves. The broken, the wounded, the weary, those that are hurting, when you look at Jesus and he's quoting from the scroll of Isaiah, he came to the worst among us to bring them hope and redemption and yes, listen, transformation that they would become more than they are. Church, we need to lose the list. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.